Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Just a reminder, next week, Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate the birth of our Lord, and we hope you'll come ready to celebrate both services, 9 and 11. But don't forget, only at the 9 o'clock will child care be provided. Uh, so parents, especially of young children, please be uh, aware of that. And then, of course, what a better way to end the year than to be in God's house on New Year's Eve at either the 9 or 11 o'clock service. And then, as I've been sharing, we certainly want to start off the new year in God's house on January the 7th, the first Sunday of 2024. I believe that God is calling us to be more faithful to his house in the coming year. And so what does that look like for each of us? Um, hopefully all of us will be as committed or even more committed to being in the Lord's house uh, more consistently in 2024. Psalm 40 this morning. Psalm 40, as we continue our series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. We're not only glad all of you are here, but we're glad that many of you are joining us uh, from your homes this morning as well. I've entitled this psalm that David wrote, Passions That Please God. And what an appropriate psalm really to be looking at towards the end of one year and sort of setting us up even for next year. Because these truths, these principles, these passions, if you will, of David are certainly something that we should continually incorporate and make a priority in our life. Now, throughout our series of David too, I've been sort of picking out a verse from each message to encourage you to meditate and memorize uh, on. I'm going to let that be your choice today out of the message because there's so many good verses that I'm going to be sharing with you that I'm just going to leave that up to you of which one sort of hits you, if you will. But all of these uh, passions that we're going to be looking at this morning, you could also call steps of faith. And so I want to start out, actually, by reminding us of Hebrews 11.6, where the writer of Hebrews says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word seek will come back into play as well as certainly the word please. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's look at some steps of faith and dynamics of faith that we see in Psalm 40, and I want to begin really in verse 8 as sort of the foundation today for all that we're going to talk about, because notice what David says. It's sort of the hinge point of the psalm. In verse 8, he says, I want to do what pleases you, my God. In other words, David's desire and delight is what God wants. That's where we all need to be. 
where whatever God wants, that's our highest desire and delight. And that we live not to please ourselves or to please others, but to predominantly please the Lord. And so David is going to share with us. Here's some things that I am learning as I walk with God as a man after God's own heart of the things I'm learning that truly please the Lord. And so you even see in that phrase, though, a passion that David has for God. I mean, we can get passionate about a lot of things in this world, but the primary thing we should all be passionate about is our God. If we can't get excited, enthusiastic, and I realize, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't swing the pendulum and make it all about emotion. We don't want to just make it about emotion. But let's face it, when you're in love with someone or something, you get emotional about it. You get passionate about it. It's something that enthralls you, excites you, exhilarates you. And that should be true about our God. We should be passionate about God and about what pleases him. So notice, even in verse 8, here's the first one, his word. Notice what David says. Your law or your word, it's just another description of God's word. Your law or your word dominates my thoughts. God wants us to be people of the word. That's why he gave us the Bible. And not just so that it would sit on our shelf and collect dust, but so that we would absorb it, we would internalize it, we would make it part of our inner being and soul. That's what David is saying here. He's encouraging us, listen, make the word of God part of of literally your, your fiber of your being. You know, other places, like in Psalm 119, he talks about hiding the word of God in his heart so that I just want to encourage you even this coming year to make even memorizing parts of the word of God more of a priority in the coming year, to make the word of God more a part of your inner soul and being to where you just, you know it. It it becomes a part of you, if you will. God wants all of us to be passionate about his word. That's why he spent hundreds of years working through different people, Old and New Testament, to give us this book so that we could not just, you know, open it every once in a while, but so that it literally could become a part of our life. It's what we navigate our life by. It becomes our compass every day that we hold up to our life and that we walk every day does the word of God dominate my thoughts wow there's a lot we can think about and a lot that we can you know be musing around with and 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 meditating on but God wants his word to be something that that we always have in our minds and in our hearts But then I want us to see this. If you will, the the first sort of step of faith, a passion that pleases God, is found now at the beginning of the psalm. And that is hoping in God. Hoping in God. 
We just sung about waiting on the Lord, which certainly that's one translation of verse 1. But notice the Net Bible says this. David says, I relied completely on the Lord. The words relied completely on speak about looking with confident expectation. Well, that's what hope is. It's from the root that means to bind together. So David is saying, I have bound myself to the Lord. And the Lord and I are one. We are partners. And if I'm going to hope in anyone or anything, I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm, I'm going to rely completely on him. I'm going to look to him with confident expectation. Paul says this in the book of Romans, that our God is the God of hope. And he says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, verse 13. Let me repeat that. Now may the God of hope fill you with all hope. That's important. Do you have hope this morning? Through the power of the Holy Spirit? Romans 15, 13. Notice why David could have such hope in God. David is recalling here in these first few verses a past time in his life where he was, he was down and out. It's probably referring to some of the things we've already covered in the life of David, right? Because he talks about literally a pit, verse 2. I mean, he was down about as low as you can go. And yet notice how God and the God of hope dominates his thoughts here as he's writing this to us to inspire us to hope in God. He says, my God, he turned toward me, verse 1. It means he stretched himself out and bent down and met me where I was, even in the pit. I hope you'll remember that. God doesn't need us to always be on the mountaintop. If we're in a pit, God will meet us in that pit. But God doesn't want to leave us there. Notice what else David says. Oh, and while I was in the pit, he heard my cry for help. He's always interested, always listening attentively to every word that comes out of our mouth. And because he's God, we don't even have to say anything. He can look into our hearts and see what we're thinking and what we're feeling, even without saying it. Doesn't stop there. Then he says, my God lifted me, verse 2, out of the watery pit and out of the slimy mud. He reached out with his hand and he literally picked me up out of the pit. And then he says, oh, and that's not all either. Even after he got me out of the pit, guess what else my God did? He placed my feet on a rock and gave me a secure footing the firmest foundation I could have. He secured me, he stabilized me, he settled me. No wonder David is saying, if I'm going to rely on anybody, I'm going to rely on my God. My passion 
is going to be to hope in God because it is a passion that pleases God when he sees his people putting their hope and their confidence in him. He wants us to hope in him. He's the God of hope who can fill us with all joy and peace as we believe in him. That's key in Romans 15, 13. We want the joy and peace, but the joy and peace of God only comes as we believe in him, as we exercise faith in him. When we put our confidence in him, then the joy and peace begins to flood our soul. And so David is saying, will we hope in God this year? Will, will that be one of the passions that, that we build into our life that no matter what we face in, in the end of this year or as we turn a page and go into the coming year, will we do so relying completely on the Lord and hoping in him? Notice verse 4. He continues this theme of hope because he says, how blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That word trusts speaks about the object of our hope and confidence. So David is saying, trust is what I'm putting my hope and confidence in, and I am blessed because my hope and confidence is in my God. He is a refuge that I can feel safe and secure in putting myself into. That's why throughout our series on David, we've looked at how often David talks about his hiding place being God and his refuge being God and the inaccessible rocky summit being God, that, that when Saul is chasing him or something else is going wrong in his life, he knows that he can put himself confidently in the Lord's hands and that the Lord is going to be enough for him enough for him. So the first passion that we see in this psalm that, that David wants to share with us is hoping in God. And by the way, what we see in David, and I think this is one of the reasons why God refers to David as a man after his own heart, David wants to use, he, he's very intentional about this, he wants to use his life experiences to inspire other people. That's why he's very honest about his struggles, his feelings, when he's up, when he's down, because he wants to relate to us. He wants us to understand, yeah, I'm David, and I'm just like you. And, and we go through life sort of feeling and, and, and dealing with the same emotions and the same things. And I want to use my life the growth that I'm having, but also the struggles I'm having to be able to connect with other human beings so that you can be inspired by my life and that you can learn not to do and make the same mistakes that I'm making in my life as one of God's servants. You know, we all should have that kind of desire. That, that our life, we want it to count for something. We want it to influence others and make an impact. And it doesn't mean we always have to be perfect. It, it, it means that we just have to be willing to put ourselves out there and say, look, I'm not always going to do it right, but I do want my life to make an impact on other people's lives. And, and if I make a mistake and I fall, I want to be out front and open about that because maybe others then can learn from my mistake. And, and if I'm doing it well, 
I want to put that out there too because I want to try to inspire others to follow my example at that point. So hoping in God. But the second passion that pleases God here is acknowledging God. Look at verse 5. David writes, O Lord my God, you have accomplished many things. You have done amazing things. Now, I realize in each of these points that I'm giving you, they have all kinds of sort of tendrils that, that branch out, okay? So like there, we're talking about hoping in God, but there's all kinds of layers to hoping in God that, that I've touched on and even so much more that we could have touched on. And the same thing is true with acknowledging God. But that was sort of where I landed because... Part of acknowledging God is David here in verse 5 is really expressing adoration. He is pausing and saying, God, you know what? Before I move on and write about it, I, I got to stop and, and, you know, be reminded and remind others, you are an amazing God who does amazing things, and I want to stop and acknowledge that. That's a passion that pleases God. Remember when Jesus healed the 10 lepers? And nine of them just kept on going and only one turned around to thank the Lord. You know, I, we all need to, even in the busyness of our life, stop and pause and acknowledge our God and say, God, you are amazing. You've done so many amazing things and I want to express my adoration to you for being such an amazing God. If nothing else, even just what David talked about. You're such an amazing God that you turned toward me. You heard me. You lifted me out of my pit and you placed my feet on a solid rock. God, you're amazing. By the way, if you truly adore someone or something, you're going to proclaim them. You're going to want to talk about them. And notice that's exactly what David does at the end of verse 5. He says, I want to declare them all these amazing things that you've done, and I want to talk about them, even though they're too numerous to recount. You and I will always be able to know who or what is it that we adore because we love to talk about them or that. We like to we like to bring them up in conversation. We like to share them with others. We like to tell other people how amazing and how wonderful they are. That's what David is doing with God, and that's what all of us should do with God. You see, when God does something for us, we should want to share it. So notice what David says in verse 9 and 10. He says, I've told the great assembly about your justice. Look, God, I've spared no words Oh, Lord, you know this is true. I've not failed, verse 10, to tell about your justice. I spoke about your reliability and deliverance. I've not neglected to tell the great assembly about your loyal love and faithfulness over and over again. David is saying, God, I can't stop talking about you because you're so amazing and I adore you and I want to acknowledge you. That's a passion that pleases God. Because God does wonderful things for us every single day. And so many of them, we don't even realize. And so often we just go through our day without ever acknowledging God. You and I just, 
we can understand that just a little bit. I mean, can't even near compare ourselves to God. But you and I understand a little bit about that as even a human being whenever we've maybe done so much for somebody else and we feel like they haven't even acknowledged it. They haven't said thank you or they haven't shown what we would consider some kind of proper acknowledgement or appreciation for what we've done. And we're like, wow, can you imagine God? I mean, every human being on the planet owes their very existence and breath to him, and yet most people go through their day and they don't even give him a thought. And David is saying it definitely shouldn't be that way with God's people because we know him, and we know we owe so much to him and everything to him. And so, therefore, let's make sure that we are acknowledging him and expressing our adoration of him and that we're talking about him because adoration will result in proclamation. What we love and what we adore is what we talk about and what we want to share with others. And I love the example of David. He's like, when I'm in the great assembly, which is another way of saying, when I come to the house of God with all my brothers and sisters and fellow worshipers, I want to tell them about all the great things that God did for me last week. I don't want to just talk about the weather. I don't want to just talk about the latest football score. I want to talk about my God and how great he is. That's what I want to talk about, you see. So hoping in God is a passion that pleases God. Acknowledging God is a passion that pleases God and is a step of faith. Third, turning to God is a passion that pleases him. He wants us to come to him. The great invitation of Jesus is, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't want us to live life alone or on our own. He wants us to come and turn to him. So David, in the first three verses, he's relating to us something that happened in the past that God had already delivered him from. But guess what? Just like life, David now has found himself in the midst of another crisis in his life. Notice what he says in verse 12. Innumerable dangers surround me, and even my sins, my own sins, are overtaking me. I can't even see straight. But notice what he says in verse 11. Oh, Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. May your loyal love and faithfulness continually protect me. So what's he doing? He's turning to the Lord. Look at verse 13. Please be willing, O Lord, to rescue me. O Lord, hurry and help me. Verse 17. You are my helper and my deliverer. O my God, do not delay. David is humbling himself here before the Lord, and he's turning to him saying, God, I need you. And God loves it when we do that because God knows we need him. But God wants us to see that we need him. And it pleases God when his people come to him and say, God, I need you. Will you help me? I don't want to do this alone. I want to do this with you. Or, or, or I need you to do this for me or and to be just very honest, 
God loves it when we humble ourselves before him in that way. I mean, what's the Bible teach us? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And he won't force himself and his help on us. If we want to do it ourselves, and like a little child, no, me do, then God says, fine. You want to do it on your own? You want to do life on your own? You go for it. But when we humble ourselves and we come to the Lord, that's a step of faith. That's a passion that pleases God. And all of us as God's people like David, we should be coming to the Lord daily. In fact, we should be coming to the Lord multiple times during a day, saying, God, I need you for this. God, can you help me with this? Is there something right now in your life that you're trying to struggle through on your own? In your own power, in your own strength, in your own wit, in your own wisdom? And you're sort of coming to the end of yourself? I want to encourage you today, even if you haven't even gotten there yet, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Say, God, I need you. Can you help me? Can you give me insight and wisdom? I need your strength. I'm running out of gas. God is pleased when his people turn to him. And then, if you go over to verse 16, we've seen that hoping in God is a passion that pleases God. Acknowledging God is a passion that pleases God. And turning to God is a passion that pleases God. In verse 16, seeking God is a passion that pleases God. It is another step of faith, if you will. Notice what David writes. May all those who seek you be happy and rejoice in you. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Here's what David said to the people of God through the prophet Jeremiah. When you seek me, and then he says, in prayer and worship. How do I seek God? God tells us how. In prayer and worship. So Jeremiah 29, 13, let me start over again. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you if you seek me with all your heart. Are we seeking God? Are we pursuing him? Are we wanting more and more and more of him? And God again tells us the vehicles or the means by which we do that, prayer and worship. Is prayer and worship priorities of our life through which we are seeking God? God says, if you seek me with all your heart. And that's why it's a heart issue. And that's why it's a step of faith. And that's why the writer of Hebrews, going back to Hebrews eleven six, 6, says, now without faith it's impossible to please God because he who comes to God must not only believe that he exists, but that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. 
You and I can't be casual about seeking God. We've got to be very intentional. We've got to make it a priority. We've got to be committed to him to seek him. And we've got to make it a non-negotiable. You know, again, so many even Christians, it's like I will fit God into my busy schedule and I'll give him the leftovers. No, no. The right way to seek God is, God, I will seek you first and then I'll try to fit everything else in around it. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things will be added. P part of the problem with the way we build our lives or try to construct our lives or even navigate our lives is we try to do all the other added things and then sort of put God in there somewhere. No. Seek God. Seek him with all your heart and soul. He'll be there. Remember James 4, 8? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's pretty much Jeremiah 29, 13 in New Testament form. Seeking God. But notice what David says in verse 16. May all those who seek you be happy and rejoice in you. Not even in what you do and all of your blessings and all of your wonders and miracles. No, just we're rejoicing in you, God. In your person. In who you are regardless of what you do or don't do. Because you are worthy of our pursuit. You are the greatest value and treasure of our life. So David goes on in verse 16, may those who love to experience your deliverance say continually, may the Lord be praised, literally magnified. May the Lord be magnified. And David was learning that's the most important thing in life, that the Lord is magnified that he increases and becomes greater and larger and bigger, not only in our lives, but in, from our perspective. You see, prayer and worship, it brings perspective to our life. And I think that's part of why God specifically said, these are the two specific sort of means or vehicles I will give you in seeking me in Jeremiah 29, 13. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. By the way, notice David is all about praising the Lord because that's part of our worship too. So go back with me for just a moment to verse three. That's why I wanted to end with this. David writes, he gave me reason to sing a new song, praising our God. That phrase gave me reason to sing. David is saying he moved in me. He lit a fire igniting something in me. And I wanted to bring forth something new. Because David not only made the word of God a priority. David made 
praise and singing songs of celebrating God a priority in his life. What are the psalms? They are songs. Notice in the very beginning of this psalm, even before verse 1, it says, this is for the music director or the worship leader by David, a psalm or song, celebrating our God. What is David all about? He's about praising God in song. He's about singing praises to God. So we started with the fact that the law of God or the word of God dominated David's thoughts. That's one of the passions we should have in our life. But sort of we've come full circle now to see that another passion of David was making sure that God, his God, his amazing God, his wonderful God was always praised in song and celebrated in song and that he wanted God's people to make singing a passion of their life as well. That's why we do what we do at the Oasis. That's why our only two things that we do every Wednesday and Sunday is we come here to praise the Lord and worship him through song and through singing and through celebrating him and we come into his word. And you see these as the bookends of this psalm. You see these in both both of these in this psalm. And then in the midst of all that, you see these steps of faith or these passions that please the Lord. Hoping in God, acknowledging God, turning to God and seeking him. And these should be the things that fill our heart and, and become passions in our own life. Steps of faith, if you will. Has God gave you a reason to sing a new song? And let me say this. This word new doesn't necessarily mean new in relationship to something old. It can mean that. It can mean a brand new song, obviously. But this word is an interesting word that just means to sing it in a fresh new way. So in other words, David is saying it could even be an old song. Oh, but it has new meaning now. It means something even more to me now when I sing it because of this amazing God that I have who turned to me, who heard me, who lifted me out of my pit and placed me on a solid rock. And maybe that's true of us today. Nicole introduces many wonderful new songs into our worship throughout the year. But sometimes what God is looking for is our hearts to get to a place where even the songs that are more familiar become fresh to us because our walk with God is current and we are continually amazed by our God. And so even the, sing, the songs that we sing that are even familiar to us have new meaning and a new impact in our life. And I'm hoping that is the case today with us. Because the song that we're going to end with is a song that I think is pretty familiar to all of us. But I hope we will sing it like we've never sung it before. Because if anybody should get passionate about God, it should be the people of God. Amen? Yes. Amen. So I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me and join me as we close our message in prayer this morning and prepare our hearts 
to worship and praise and magnify and celebrate our God today. Lord, we thank you for being such an amazing God, a God that does a billion things for us every day, and most of them are unacknowledged. Lord, may we pause right now as your people in the midst of this busy season and make sure that we take time to celebrate you and magnify you and extol you and praise you and lift you up because you're worthy. God, may our hearts be ignited this morning. May you light a fire. May we allow you to light a fire through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit within us that cannot be quenched. As we end this year and we get ready to begin a new year, God, may you find a passionate people here at the Oasis Church. May you find a people, God, that not only makes the word of God a priority, but praising you a priority. May you find a people, God, that makes acknowledging you and turning to you and seeking you and hoping in you, God, steps of faith and passions that please you, Lord. May you become our all in all, God, because we owe everything to you. So God, help us to lift up our voices in praise. Help us to get excited about you, God, and knowing you. Help us to be passionate as we praise you today and every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.